you finished that monster yet? No. Uh, if you if you don't know, Fitz is heavily back in the caffeine in the last few weeks. So <laughs> back on the train. So he uh, he weirdly enough left off caffeine for a while. Not left off it, but was just very very conservative with yeah. his use, which was incredibly weird to me. So often Fitz would always be drinking some kind of caffeinated beverage. Yeah, every time, and, every single time we see each other. And God forbid, if you offered him a coffee, there'd just be no reason he wouldn't take it. Yeah. But there was a few times there in the last few weeks where he didn't take it, much to my... <laughs> one day he was drinking decaffeinated iced coffee, which was... Uh, yeah. Which really rocked the whole thing, really, and could have spelled the end for Sika. It was so shocking. Uh, we were glad... Thank God we recovered. Yeah. But here we're, we're heavily back on the caffeine train now. Fitz is easily... And I'm... I'm so people like to exaggerate things, but Fitz is genuinely very close to two grams of caffeine in the last uh, 14 hours, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're on our third straight podcast. I've had a coffee and a monster today, which is twice the normal amount of caffeine I have. Yeah. So we're both on the coffee train, a caffeine yeah. train, and we record So it. if you hear heartbeats during this, yeah. it's that our hearts are beating so loudly. If you can hear anxiety in this, it's because <laughs> there is. Anxiety sounds like this. <laughs> if... If you hear any frantic beard rubbing of the mic, it means <laughs> there is frantic. And yeah, if you hear a pulse or something, don't yeah. call 911 because it's already too late. It's all good, yeah. So this episode, third in our marathon of recordings. And you know, I'm going to go on a media tangent here. I'm going to take a hard right here. I was just thinking about something earlier. I was just thinking about speech patterns and stuff. And uh, Speech patterns. <laughs> as, as I was doing some LSD. No, I was, I was wondering... So obviously your brain molds to particular skills. And then we talked about before about, you know, like elite snipers or like yeah. like marksmen who can shoot two miles away. And, you know, there's obviously intrinsic things in their brain that aren't uh, you aren't visible like a basketball player's genetics might be. And what, like, does your brain change <laughs> with speech? I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. So, like, does your, what does your brain change, like, certain skills for, like, podcasting? Yeah, 100%. Change, like, that, like, ability to hold, listen to you blabber on about some bullshit and then think about my own thought <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a skill like everything else yeah thief, um, thief patterns the best so it's a spon- the best yeah view of that ever is if you go to YouTube and there's like a few people have made these videos where they look at Joe Rogan at the start yeah <laughs> Joe Rogan's evolution as a podcast host so he's obviously the best podcast host in the world clearly he has the most successful podcast in the history of podcasts he's one of the reasons that podcasts are the thing they are today yeah um, do you know so I'm gonna just interrupt you it's a caffeine it's not me thanks bro do, do you know when they say like first and then best is not always first yeah the only reason there's best is because Joe was first he just made it that like yeah and like he'll say to himself he wasn't the first but he's fucking close yeah um so they have like videos of him way way back like yeah. years back and he's just like cutting across people and he's obviously stoned off his game a lot of times <laughs> <laughs> um but no, that still hasn't changed anything. and now he's like fucking interviewing bernie sanders and chatting to him for three hours yeah some of the guests are like he had rob i know well rob zombie's not massive but a lot yeah, of metal he's still big like yeah he's big he's someone else really big on there lately Okay, oh. so we're now uh, around three minutes in. Yeah. And yeah, what about it? Today's podcast <laughs> is about is brought to you by <laughs> training around injury or yeah. training via injuries or training with injuries. Yeah. Training in association with injuries inc. Training full stop injury full in- stop incorporated. Yeah. So this is brought to you by an incessant amount of questions of you asking us about injuries, and so. 
we're we, going to give a disclaimer. We're going to give a disclaimer. And the reason you don't get answers to those injury questions is because, first of all, we're a limited company. <laughs> and so we're, we're in some places, we there's legality behind some of the stuff we do, I suppose. Yeah. So giving you injury advice, first of all, is not good legal behavior from us, right? Yeah. Because it could be detrimental to your health, right? Too unethical. Un- unethical. It's very unethical yeah. for us to do that because we've... Because this, a symptom of pain could have so many different sources that yeah. we just can't. We're not qualified. So legally no. and ethically, we can't give it to you realistically. So between the two of us, we've married probably like 20 years of weight training between us. Yeah. So we've a lot of... Um, I won't say expertise because you can't say that about yourself, but we know a lot. <laughs> we've done a lot of wrong things, you know? Yeah. And we've met a lot of people who do right things. And we're both highly overqualified to speak about coaching. Yeah. About technique we spend a lot of our time investigating it sport yeah um, practicing it highly invested yeah very invested too um but when it comes to injury yeah it doesn't matter if we've had that exact same injury we're just not going to comment yeah we're not going to give you specific advice so actually sometimes people do ask have you experienced this before yeah and i'll say what i did and i'll never say you should do this yeah, yeah. so of course when people ask about mobility issues we can of course yeah like, if you think about it this way, from your point of view, you wouldn't ask us, you're like, geez, my prostate's cramping. <laughs> Do you know, really? You wouldn't, though. That's an out- that's how outrageous it is. Like, yeah. So to ask us a question about, like, we talked in another podcast we recorded earlier there, right? If you, There's a reason people go to physios for four months, five months in a row and not get any better and go into good physios. And that's why that's the standard rather than the exception. Yeah. Is because these physios are, so, are qualified. And they still can't help people. Yeah. So there's just no way we can help you from a four-line sentence. No, 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 no. Not that, and just as important to say as well is that it's not that we don't want to, but there's so many reasons not to. It's very unethical. And like today, we're going to bring up some examples of injuries we've had, Mm -hmm. things we did to get over them. Yeah. These are by no means... um, Be-all and end-all. The be-all and end-all, or direct recommendations. Yeah. So, So this is our way of helping you with injuries. And our way of helping with injuries helping you. is to never get injured and do the best possible things you yeah. can do to not get injured. So we'll just start with the broadest possible br- stroke of our brush here. And I just want to say, so the best way to not get injured is to, the best way to recover from injuries and never get injured, okay? Yeah. And so you should do everything in your power to prevent that. And as we talked about in the past, going slowly is not only for your progress, but more importantly, Nothing will halt your progress like an injury. No. And the slower you, you go, the less injuries you'll get. Okay. I'll so see you later. See you in half an hour. <laughs> we're we're going to go done. over and back like an old ping pong table here. We're done. And just bounce it back off each other. So, right. Garf's talking about going slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is epitomized by your training program, how you structure your training program, mm-hmm. and how you choose to progress. So, you can go super slowly by doing one rep max squats every day but that's still not a good system to do but yeah you can you can definitely go slowly yeah so we want to go slowly with an intelligent training program yeah that has steps marked out that has solid progressive slopes so we don't obviously we don't want to just if we do the same thing in training every day we'll get the same result yep and then we'll just stop getting results because we're not getting any adaptation from the stimulus. So we want training to be difficult enough that yeah. we progress. Yeah. But we don't want training to be too difficult yeah. that we regress. So you know what a punji stick is? A punji pit. 
No. You know, in the Vietnam War, where they used to put stakes and cover them up with like leaves and like nets, and they looked yeah. like the forest floor, and you'd run into them and they'd be yeah. covered in shit and you'd get infected, right? Yeah. Programming is like a punji pit, right? I'll, I'll tell you why, okay? So, programming and getting injured, right? Right. So, volume and intensity both can injure you massively. Yeah. So, either one of those in any amount. Yeah. So, too much volume can really injure you, or but a very low amount of volume but very high intensity can really, really fuck you up one yeah. time. But progressing, intensity doesn't really progress you without a lot of volume. So it's it's just, it's really, really, really fucking important that you don't <laughs> fall into a pit. So it's very important to note that you can get injured, like Dara was saying, by doing one or max squats every day. Yeah. Even though that's low volume, it can still really fuck you up. Or you could have super low weight. Yeah. Like you could do a bodybuilding session every day, which would have negligible weights. Yeah. But extremely high reps and very high overall training volume. Yeah. And it's going to fuck you up too. It, it definitely can. Yeah. You see a lot of those like elite bodybuilders can you say elite bodybuilders you actually can't can you yeah you can yeah pro bodybuilders yeah full time big boys full time big boys get injured on a lot a lot of them are really fucked up like yeah I remember watching a Kai, Gre- Kai Green documentary and he was just like my body's a wreck yeah he's just such a sad human being very well he's very um, I like the way he speaks but I, I, like he's hugely reflective yeah but some people say that's like he just like talks on like talks to talk kind of thing with that like but us <laughs> definitely um so that's that's the most important point yeah is just don't get injured and then you won't get injured and it'll be easier to recover because you won't yeah. be injured that's just so important and you can like i'm trying to think of an example of like elite sportsman who like miso is actually a great example of someone who has hasn't had a catastrophic injury yet and he's been training very hard for a long time yes. relatively or you look at the Chinese like actually Lu Zhaoshun is a much better example yeah, he's yeah, 35 yeah. now so there were stories floating around before that he started when he was like 14 or 15 which yes. is typically a lot later but he would have started out as a sprinter as yeah. track and field so he would have started in a general system at 8, eight years old anyway or whatever in China so he's been training for plus or minus 25 years maybe 30 or more so let's say 25 at the lowest like and he we've yet we've never seen him get injured in competition and since he came on the scene I think first was like 2007 he's been winning he's only lost I think two world championships he bombed at one and another one he got silver or something yeah so he's been coming hard and fast for a long time yeah he (laughs) He came hard and he came for a long time he never pulled out like and he just (laughs) kept going so he's a great example of of what like of, of the right way to do it is yeah um, um i think like a good example of the wrong way to do it would be if you look at so we're not ragging on anyone but the bulgarian max out every day multiple times a day mm-hmm. that system spat out a lot of athletes and broke a lot of athletes you know a lot of people say that was low volume right yeah which I actually disagree with a lot yeah because the frequency is so high that they're doing so much volume yeah and like people think that Bulgarian is you max your snatch max your clean jerk and max your squat every day they did drop down doubles and stuff yeah especially in the squat also they did that three, four, five, six times a day all year round all year round forever so like that system ate up athletes yeah, there was so much volume there, yeah just like no matter what way you're looking at that, that's a shitload of volume yeah. like, really high frequency really high volume really high intensity and they're like they talk about 
people just keeping 120 loaded on the bar and them starting their snatches at that because they were just but like they're snatching fucking 170 kilos five times a day also they missed they could have missed 20 times in one day right yeah so miss or make that's still volume mm-hmm. and you it's very hard to argue that that's not volume so then the kind of direct opposite of that system would be where we look at the kind of programs that we write and we have a lot of like what we would consider prehab right mm-hmm. so it's bodybuilding exercises like basically giving yourself body armor so building muscle around the upper back mm-hmm. building muscle around the lower back uh building up the vmo in particular on the leg yeah uh to really help like all these things really help to build up some resistance to injury spam strings what's that spam strings spam strings um like all these smaller accessory exercises yeah that are their bodybuilding at their core like yeah um and we're just trying to add muscle mass and add some muscle strength to muscle groups that usually wouldn't be hugely taxed during weightlifting yeah but that are auxiliary to the main lifts like i think it's fair to say that the bulgarians were not doing pavlov presses no presses or or belt squats or teddy bear presses <laughs> or like rolling planks yeah you know and like there's some if, if you don't know how to program for yourself but you're you're trying it anyway and you, there those kind of things are probably the best place you can start by adding in things if you're worried yeah. about getting injured and you, you're not really sure what you're, you don't know if your program's right or wrong adding in those things they're kind of free volume in such a way that like Dara was saying earlier they have very little effect on your body so because they're not going to be very intense like they're not going to be very heavy they might be just resistant bands or a 20 kilo kettlebell if you just hammer those twice a week yeah you've I don't know should I say significantly improved your chances but you have improved your chances of not getting injured and very importantly as well they've improved your chances of being stronger for your sport exactly and like a really good point you touched on there was when we talk about like load that an accessory exercise would put on us. So if we take something like um, a maximum isometric pull, so if I put a barbell into a rack, it was tied into that rack. Yeah. It was at mid quad and mm-hmm. I pulled on that hard as fuck mm-hmm. for 10 seconds and then left go. That's a huge neural load. Mm-hmm. So good for I'm firing. Yeah, but probably not at that intensity. Okay. So I'm firing huge amount of nerve signals down my central nervous system. Yeah. It's like going for a max deadlift. The next day you just feel fried. Have you done it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You feel You've shit. done loads of them. You feel like shit. Um, and that's what we're trying to avoid with the, the prehab and the accessory work. Yeah. So what you're looking for in the accessory work is like, uh, say if I'm doing upper back accessory work and I do seal rows and loo raises. I'm going to get a bit of a pump. The weight might be heavy, but the reps are going to be so high that we can't use that heavy a weight. It's not heavy. No, and we're sending so few nerve signals down the central nervous system that mm-hmm. it's never going to tax us. Yep. Um, for fear of getting away from topic, but anyway, it, the, the big trend in hypertrophy circles uh now hypertrophy 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 listen i'm just trying to win the hypertrophy okay is they like for i know from us from the outside um they put they they think about it so much and they put so much thought into it and you're like all right lads calm down <laughs> just do some bodybuilding you know but i know i know it's yeah. different it's a different angle is 
reps in reserve or so like getting within one to two reps in reserve or maybe three yeah. I think is the, is what their literature is saying at the moment and their experience so yeah. getting very close to failure is very important for them yes and I kind of so if you look at the like the what the Chinese seem to do for bodybuilding so we've seen a lot of the Chinese stuff over the years but very much lately yeah and they do like six sets of stuff six to eight sets of like 12 to 15 reps yeah and they sometimes they do talk about going to failure and stuff on the like the rear delt flies or something like that yeah or, or if you go totally random in the spectrum there you go like John Meadows he always talked about like kind of eights was his favourite number ish plus or minus and like going to failure and some of those things yeah um so for some kind of these things like I like I had a great one there uh, two weeks ago so I was standing I had I haven't had lat dumps in a long time <laughs> and I was cr- I had crippling lat dumps for four or five days after this yeah so I was doing got the green rogue band of the newest ones so it's kind of like a thick these be kind of blue I think a fairly reasonably thick band say like a, a three out of six say or three out of five band I was doing so single arm standing rows kind of face pulls mm-hmm. and band it so with a band and then straight arm lap pull downs with a band I did eight by like 15 yeah. and so I know they say and it's got it's kind of dams isn't really an indicator of something's very effective but it, if it's the first time you do it and you get dams it's not a bad <laughs> indicator no. and this was not a bad indicator of the doms I was getting. Yeah. I you you're gonna have to try it eventually. I d- I tried the single arm face folds. Horrific, aren't they? Yeah. Great for weightlifting though, specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anti rotation work is probably the most neglected thing in weightlifting programming. It it's kind of easy to do and hard to do, I suppose. It's kind of paradoxical. Yeah. Um okay, we're gonna just completely pivot off this. Mm-hmm. Um so we want to talk about training around injury and um, training oh, while you're injured. We could actually pivot oh, from that. We could actually. So, so when Gurf is talking about, mu- like he's talking about getting lat doms and, and muscle pain just before we go on to this next point. Also, there's a huge doms, difference yeah. between muscle soreness and injury. Mm-hmm. And that's something that pretty much only experience is going to give you. So if you know you come into the gym the day after and it's you just did four sets of ten yesterday and your quads are in bits. You haven't done squats in six weeks. Yeah, and you're obviously gonna have some muscle pain, right? But that like that's not an injury. That is just short term yeah. delayed onset muscle soreness. A little bit of fiber damage. Yeah, it's gonna go away. These are just like little micro tears. Whereas if you've been squatting consistently and you go for something like a max one rep max or a max five rep max yeah and you feel a twinge you feel it's a lot more than just like heat or stiffness on the muscle it's a shooting pain yeah uh you might feel like a really really twitchy pain or pain on palpation so like pain when you push on the muscle yeah then we're looking at something that could be a muscle injury and they're like a lot of the time muscle injuries will come concurrently with doms mm-hmm. so we might wake up in the morning and we'll have we'll have ham, hamstring doms and we'll have a doctor pain and then we're trying to figure out oh sure it's probably just I'm just in pain yeah. but then if it's if it's three or four days later and you go through some air squats and you get that shooting pain 
then you're looking at something that's probably a muscle tear or a muscle strain. As you progress through your training career, and especially in weightlifting, you'll learn a lot of pains will literally come and go by the day. Like yeah. So one day you will have, um, you're like, let's say your forearm will be kind of sore or like really sore on the elbow. Yeah. And you're like, oh no, what am I going to do? I'm injured now. And then the next day it's totally gone. Like you've, you forgot I was even there. Yeah. So you kind of learn between being really hurt and just, um, or being a little bit hurt and, hurt and like having severe injuries. And as time goes on, you learn them. But unfortunately, at the beginning, it's it's hard to know the difference. And it's, and the problem is, at the start, you'll have a lot of, like, pain that's not an injury. It's just kind of an adaption. Yeah. Inflammation, and a lot of things will feel like injuries. Yeah, and you're going to be sore when you wake up in the morning. Stop being a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. okay. Um, so then, right, to move on from that. Yeah. When do we know how to pull the plug? So... Or when do we know when to pull the plug? So if I come in and like I spoke about it just there, if so say I did really heavy deadlifts the day before I come in, I'm obviously very sore and very fatigued. Mm-hmm. Um but I have that twinge in my adductor. Yeah. Or I have a twinge in my lower back. And that twinge stays for something longer than five, six, seven days. Yeah. Then we need to start looking and say, This is probably more than just muscle soreness. Yeah. Um, this is probably not going to go away on its own. And then you need to start looking at stopping training. Because there's, there's a point where training through DOMS will do no bad thing to you. Mm-hmm. Like, you get fresh blood into the muscle. It will help flush some of those substrates out, bring new substrates in. Um, it will actually improve the DOMS. That muscle soreness will go away once you've warmed up. But we can't keep training if we have a muscle tear. When would you pull the plug? So an unfortunate fact of trying to be good at elite sports is you're definitely going to be injured and you're definitely going to have to train through injuries at times. Yeah. But for most people listening, they're probably not elite athletes. So I would say the time to pull the plug is as early as possible, basically. Yeah. So sooner is much, 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 much better rather than later. Because the last thing you want to happen as an amateur or recreational or semi-pro is for it to start impacting your day-to-day life. Yeah. So if you, if like you don't ever want to get to a stage where you can't do your job as a or recreational pick up your kid. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Like that's really, that's really one of the worst or like somewhere where you have to get surgery and you're out for work for 10 weeks and yeah. I'd, like, places other countries or even other jobs in Ireland or different places have different kind of sick leave pays and stuff yeah. like that and you don't want to be out of pocket no no you want to like you don't want to be putting that kind of stress and things like that surgery can happen you know so it is very important that you pull the plug sooner rather than yeah. later so like I'm not but again I do mean don't be a bitch and I, I really sincerely mean that yeah. yes a lot of like especially in weightlifting people who may not have been very sporty when they're younger don't understand you just have to get the fuck over it sometimes yeah yeah but then i also mean just as strongly that if something's really sore if you have a coach don't wait for it to be two months yeah tell them straight away and if you are a coach yeah and your athlete is presenting with yeah the same recurring pain all the time yeah like you need to get on that right away yeah you got um, like you have to dress and it. you need to alter your method so if they're coming in with um say something like uh quadriceps 
tendon pain mm-hmm. and you give them something like something that's going to build up their VMO because it could be a tracking issue mm-hmm. and with their patella and then that doesn't work after two and a half or three weeks yep. you need to pivot straight away and you need to move on to something else and then you need to move on you need to yep. do another test um, or more importantly you need to send them to someone yeah. who's a qualified professional be 100%. It a or a GP for probably get an MRI yeah get something yeah. Fits, like, so that's probably the first protocol if you do feel like this is something and most of the time you'll know well like what i've noticed a lot often and i've heard other like athletes say it, um from different kind of areas is that you'll you'll know when something's going to happen most of the time so you'll know when something is a little bit sore now and you're like if i give this a week or two it's going to be fine right and a lot yeah. of the time that is the case but then if you don't and you know it, it ends up being to be a lot worse yeah most often if you don't know at the time when you look back you'll be like Jeez, my I don't know, my my knee was a little bit sore. What if I'd given it two or yeah. three weeks it's been fine, but now you're looking at something like a prolonged case of tendonitis. Yeah. You could be looking at a year if it gets very severe, more, maybe two years, you don't know. Like yeah. so I would say just it's very important to pay attention to your body as well. And if you do I would say you're better off pulling back from training first of all. That that should be your first protocol. Yeah. And then spending the money and going to see the physio or something yeah. because it is so important. And even if it's peace of mind that you go to the physio, and the physio's like, "Nah, I'll be fine. Give yeah. it two, three weeks more rest, and you'll be totally okay." You will have wasted very, very little, little time and money. Yeah, relatively. Um, so, like one thing, and it, it, we're touching on it so frequently because it's very, very common in gym training and weight training is mm-hmm. tendonitis, oh, tendonopathy, so, yeah, um, tendon issues, right? So. We obviously value squats a lot and we value presses a lot. But the thing with both of those is that tendon issues become issues very, very frequently. Mm-hmm. So nearly every weightlifter will have had some tendon issue with their knees. Um most like Or have. Or have in the past, right? So Or currently have right now. Yeah. <laughs> so just to speak briefly on tendonitis and tendinopathy and, and the difference, like tendonitis in it's inflammation of the tendon right go and listen to one of the first podcasts we did was with squat university first guest aaron horshig yeah um and he explains this very very doctor. well dr aaron horshig yeah uh, doctor to you <laughs> he didn't say that obviously so right if i have pain in my tendons so like the bit underneath my kneecap or the bit above my kneecap mostly for weight of things it's a bit underneath your patella yeah 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 directly underneath um, so what you're probably experiencing there is tendonitis, and that's inflammation of the tendon. And tendonitis can go away if we just leave it alone. Oh, please, God. And stop <laughs> squatting. Yeah. And ice it and stretch out our quads. And a lot of the time that tendonitis is being exacerbated by quads that are way too tight. Yeah. And quads that have a lateral dominance and don't have any medial strength pulling them in. So the outside of our quads will tend to be very, very strong. And then that inner section, especially that teardrop like your vastus medialis, medialis. Um, on the inside is just way underdeveloped because of our squat mechanics or whatever it may be. But very important what Dara is not saying is that this is what's wrong with your re- knees right now. Yeah. Just to reiterate that. <laughs> so, this is a hypothetical lifter that Dara once knew, which was his name was Dara Fitz. Yeah. Who then did nothing about it. Yeah. Kind of... I'd, you could stop squatting for a while and then it'd be like, er, I'll just go back and it wouldn't be that sore. And very often it comes back again. Oh, it, it, it always comes back. Um, and then it develops from there into tendinopathy and that's structural degradation of the tendon. 
So if I was to take an MRI, which I did of my tendons, um, you see little holes in this the tendons disgusting. where your tendon is gone now. Uh, and that shit takes a long time to get back. And, a lo- and some of those cases, it's near like catatonic and it has to be removed via surgery. Like it, it will have to be, like it, it won't go away by it's itself. It's extremely serious. So if you have tendon pain yeah. lasting longer than a week or two or yeah. month, yeah. you need to just take a step back, make a drastic change to your training protocols, stop squatting, stop doing whatever you're doing right now because it's obviously exacerbating more and more. Mm-hmm. Slowly add things back in, add things that don't hurt back in. Start doing heavy, eccentric and isometric uh, training. So things like quad Nordics, um, like heel raised close foot squats where you're going down for like five seconds holding it at a parallel for five seconds and then giving yourself assistance on the way back up all those things were taxing the tendon but not bringing it to a point where it's sore mm-hmm. and then we're just going to build strength in that tendon build cross-sectional area but more importantly in that tendon and then get ourselves back to being on the road again I had, it was I, I think it was tendinopathy in my thumb at that <laughs> stage. It had been about nine months, and I'd say... Uh, yeah, it probably have developed in... It was two years ago now, actually, it's yeah. bad. Um, it, was, it was a very long time, uh, so I couldn't actually... I basically couldn't do any cleans without a massive amount of pain in my right thumb. I used to wake up in the mornings, and my thumb just... I couldn't move my thumb for it. Was from playing too much Xbox? Uh, I couldn't be wanking too much, I don't know. <laughs> um, so it was like... It was... Uh, I just couldn't move my thumb in the mornings. Funny enough, that crept out of nowhere, which was strange. I suppose it's a very small tendon, so it's not really like I wasn't going to know. It just kind of, yeah, like, I can't remember, but just it just kept happening, and it was just very sore all of the time. Like doing that was unbelievably sore. Just squeezing your thumb in your in so your hand. I'm a, I'm making an imaginary hook rip here now with my fist, and oh, it was ridiculous. Um, I would just. Like that took a lot out of my like. That's one of the reasons it took me a long time to make another clean jerk PB. So I yeah. could still snatch with straps, but obviously it wasn't too keen on clean jerky with straps. Um, I was just like it was just. It just took so much out of training, and if I, I did, so in my case, I actually didn't know at the time. I didn't. Uh, I didn't really feel much coming on. But if you do, you look. You won't notice those six weeks if you take out right. Yeah. When yeah. you look back at four years and you're well on your way to making bigger PBs you're not going to remember those four weeks but you know what you're no. going to remember is the two years you had to take out because you got tendonitis in your knees Yeah, because you just didn't take a break for a bit and try yeah. to address the issue if you listen to this like Dara was saying you've listened to Squat University volume is the biggest problem with yeah. tendonitis especially in the knees so he was saying it's it's like um, your ability to kind of tolerate temperature and so if I'm, I've been training for weight training for 10 years now, I think, or maybe a bit more. My, say, let's say my tendons can tolerate a temperature of 50 degrees, right? But after year one, they could, might only be able to tolerate a temperature of five degrees. So temperature yeah. being volume. So for anyone listening, a lot of people have, and I was doing sports, I like taekwondo and shit like that and martial arts and football since I was like uh, six. Yeah. So my body was like, has done a lot of like physical exercise yeah and a lot of times people who are asking about tendonitis are people who have had not a great history 
or any history of any kind of yeah. physical training and I it's fantastic that they've gotten into it yeah wonderful but it is something you need to be cognizant of yeah like weightlifting is a fairly unique sport and powerlifting as well that we get a lot of uh, like adult onset athletes <laughs> you know like people who <laughs> have affliction really, yeah or they might have given up sport when they were 14 15 16 yeah not trained for a few years and then they're in their late 20s early 30s and they start weightlifting not a reflection on their character either of course no god no and like it's it's an unbelievable thing to do but that temperature uh like using temperature as like an acronym for how how much uh, training, analogy analogy that's the word you've been how much, how much training your tendons can take is a very very good point right so you'll get people who'll make really really good progress by doing their squats doing their deadlifts doing their presses and then they'll say oh well i've progressed this much i want to go to the next level up in my training mm-hmm. i want to do five sessions a week instead of three yeah and it just mightn't be some it might be something that in terms of our muscle tissue and our progression curves it looks like we can go to that mm-hmm. but our tendons just might not be able to handle it that temperature that's an analogy or your, your ability to tolerate analogy analogy is um is actually it's kind of fluid and it moves up or down mostly down probably so yeah. if, like if you take like a week off or two weeks off or three weeks off or four weeks or five weeks off your temperature is going down all the time yeah even across weeks and days depending on how much sleep you've got and maybe your nutrition profile or whatever you're doing so your ability to tolerate volume the temperature is rising or lowering so it's important to be really aware of that that it's not that it's not to think that oh I've done six years so I'm an experienced lifter now and that I can I can start squatting every day yeah it's it's really not and obviously no, it's a no, massive no, no, no. genetic component too like some yeah. people have just in much better capacity yeah but again no one's is unlimited no 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 um so I suppose something we haven't really spoken at all about is um injuries to the skeletal system so like. Mm. bone fractures stress fractures in a bone uh, bone spurs much more severe injuries pains around the joints uh, in some way they're oh, I wouldn't say better to have but at least they'll take you out of action and make you stop yeah it, it, that is definitely an advantage right nobody breaks their arm and it's like oh I'm just gonna see how it is whereas <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll get somebody I'm just gonna feel out this bench <laughs> whereas we'll get somebody who puts a minor tear in their quad or yeah. uh like gets chronic tendonitis and like one of their hamstrings or their glutes mm-hmm. and they're like oh, it's very sore now but I'm just going to take painkillers and, and I'll come back training next week they're, they're going to get some blood flow oh my god <laughs> just got sick in the back of my mouth do you know in defense of the blood flow comment um, there is something to it of course a lot of those uh, like you need to keep something moving you know yeah, and yeah, obviously yeah. of course there is increased blood flow yeah. to some areas and like certain injuries like your wrist need more frequent movement to Increase the volume of blood flow, of course. Yes. And now that brings with a different like healing but factors and stuff like that. Blood flow. But when you've m- chronic tendonitis, <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> it's just way too late. Yeah. Um, I think, right. So there's certain areas where stuff around your bones and inflammation on certain bones probably isn't that serious, right? So you've yeah. got um, everybody or a lot of people who do weightlifting will have little bits of bone spurs on their collarbones from where they catch cleans. Um a lot of the time you'll see things on people's thumbs if they're hook gripping or gripping bars a lot and they start to get kind of enlarged uh, at the top knuckle of the thumb. The base of the thumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
so these these aren't huge issues, right? As long as they're not causing us pain or discomfort. Not massive offences on the body. No, but then we can see things in, in people's morphology where uh, they might have broken their ankle as a, as a kid or as a teenager and now they're trying to squat and they physically can't bring their ankle into that range of motion. They can't dorsiflect that much because there's a bone in the way where their shin bone's supposed to go. That to me is a ver- the most tragic of injuries. Yeah, you, you can't do anything about it. Let that Because stuff that happens when you're a youth... Yeah, or even younger. It's, it's <laughs> youth or younger. It sucks so much <laughs> that when you, when you when you get to your twenties and stuff, you know, and you're like, "Geez, I love weightlifting," and you yeah. might have a great, like, you might have really good anatomy first. Yeah, but you have such a fucked up right ankle that you just can't. Yeah, or something. You know that really like if I put myself in that person's shoes, it really sucks because when you think about all that could have been, I suppose it's a real like like an existential injury that you're like, what could have been, you know? Yeah, and it's it's the ultimate limiting factor, you know. You can't unless you've access to a surgeon who's gonna split you open and cut a bit off that bone. You're not gonna fix it. And very often they won't do that. No, um, unless you've got serious cash. And so then we start looking at injuries around the joint that are incurred during our sport or during training. Uh, so say now if I get a wrist I have a clean crash down in me and I get something that could be a fracture in my wrist it is extremely important that we go and get that looked at immediately immediately so it might be extremely painful when it happens but the pain subsides and within three to four days um, oh, it's, it's only sore when I go into hyperextension right so when my wrist comes all the way back and I'm in a, a position similar to what I'd be in a push up those kind of injuries, even though the pain mightn't be that severe, the pain could be significantly less than a tendon injury. We need to get that wrist looked at immediately because where the pain is coming from is a bone. <laughs> and that bone is going to heal and a bone heals through calcification and that's growth of more bone around a fracture. Yeah. And a lot of the time when we have a break, we have small subluxations of joints, so we have minor amounts of dislocation. We have bones shifting from place to place. Uh, so you could you could break your foot right and you'll break one of your metatarsals which are like the long bones in your foot and that will actually end up shifting out to the side and the bottom half will just grow up an inch the bottom half will grow down an inch and you've got the same metatarsal pointing in two different directions and you just have this big lump of bone growing there for these kind of injuries these can't be trained around you just have to stop training it's not like, oh, I'm going to do something to make the bone of my wrist grow better. Yeah, blood flow. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking blood flow. Uh, these things need to be immediately look, looked at, uh, found, cures for immediately, or at least diagnosed as soon as we possibly can. Pop quiz, where are white blood cells made? In your bone marrow. Oh, great job. Much faster than the NH3. <laughs> Back next week. Um, probably... The closing chapter of this podcast yeah. is coming back from an injury. Oh, I've one really good point on bones. Go for it. So I think I've had six rib fractures. Get I'm a devil for breaking ribs. But this one down here, yeah. in the bottom of my rib cage on the right hand side. Yeah. There's something that like floats inside there. No way. Yeah, so I can just like get these random it'll feel like a stitch in my side. Something and I'll just you. feel here and it's something stabbing me that's a job it's so fucking weird it's probably just a bit of cart- cartilage cartilage yeah that's <laughs> like a little shard of bone 
or both. It's so strange. It could be both. You could be blessed. Yeah. <laughs> That's it like, had me in a front squat the other day. I was doing front squat like 15 just for some like theft or rising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I interacted there. I was like, Jesus, my rib cage feels weird. Yeah. Maybe I'm having a heart attack. But then I realized <laughs> it was that rib that's trying to kill me. It was on the right side, so you knew it couldn't have been a heart attack. No. So, <laughs> so something coming back from an injury after you've done your rehab... It's probably something we can advise you on with some good faith. And that is, as we began with the start, so we'll begin, is go so slowly. So when you're coming back, it's even more important to go way slower than you possibly think you can go. So I would say a good rule of thumb is whatever you think you're doing, take 20 kilos off that. (laughs) (laughs) And just, you know, you see these people, like they get knee surgery and they're like day one back squats. Oh my God. Was it? Job rolls, yeah. Yeah. Oh, fuck off. Yeah. He's got like 200 kilos the day after he got a knee c- reconstruction. Listen. It's No, so it wasn't the day after. It was, dumb. A bit, it was a bit later than that. Louis Simmons in one of the West Side documentaries got his knee scraped out. Yeah. So that's a key old surgery where they roll your kneecap off to the side. They put a little scraper in there and they that's scrape all the cartilage from the back of your kneecap. Disgusting. He went and squatted and there was knee spurting out a hole in this. Our blood. <laughs> Blood spurting out a hole as he oh, squatted. That's horrendous. Like what the fuck? What's the point in that? Like I don't, like I don't. Whatever you're proving to anyone, obviously. To be, to be honest, right, when when, when you see instances like that, yeah. it's um like what's that exercise actually being used as then? So is that exercise like a psychological coping mechanism? Yeah. And they're just everything else in their life is shit, and they just want to go to the gym, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, or t- else it comes from a place of insecurity, and we look. Oh, this is this injury's not going to hold me back. I'm yeah, going to yeah, yeah, yeah. squat, bro. And like, yeah. yeah, well done, buddy. You'll be back in six months. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. Also, the note is taking a lot of gear helps an awful lot with those things. Yeah, it can't be avoided. No. Uh, and so a lot of the people listening, I'd say most of the people listening aren't on gear. So if you do yeah. get a surgery, recommended. So those physios who you meet in hospitals are very good so like a lot of times when you meet those they just probably deal with people who have knee tendonitis surgeries or tendonopathy so if they tell you to do something it means it probably worked a lot for a lot of other people so I definitely 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 <laughs> definitely can't say definitely enough was listen to them for the few yeah. weeks they tell you to do the stuff and just right we say this all the time but you are not the exception no right no no you're never the exception because you're the person who trains at the back of a CrossFit gym or whatever it is yeah you're not the exception to human physiology. Never. And although these people mightn't deal with athletes all day long, yeah, they're dealing with human knees or mm-hmm. human backs or human shoulders all day long. And everyone's the same. Yeah, and it will always seem like, oh, this is this is so low level. I'm not going to do box step-ups on the stairs for three weeks and then go back to them. It might not even be that. It might be standing on one leg or something. Exactly. And just just do it. Yeah. Like, the, the minor investment you'll make in terms of time you take off training, yeah. will be nowhere near the investment you'll make yeah. in time you'll have to take off if you get re-injured. And the psychological damage will do to you, thinking you won't, so what will happen is you won't admit yourself that you didn't do the pre- rehab. Like, I did all the prehab and it just didn't work. No. How often do we hear that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so annoying. And you know when people tell you, you're like, go away, it didn't work. Yeah, Matt's geez, mad. that's mad. Yeah, it didn't work for you, did it? <laughs> and you know for a fact they didn't yeah. do half of it. Yeah. I would say more often than not you should probably do them longer than you need to because they're, they're not going to re-injure you again those exercises. No, and there's like there's a really nice saying, right? That So everyone goes to the physio and they get given their sheet of exercise and they take it away and 
It says in the glove box there, Karen, till they go to the physio next week, right? It doesn't even have to be surgery. No, a movement that you've worked your way into for the last, or a movement issue yeah. that you've worked your way into for the last 20 years through yeah. shit movement yeah. can't be rubbed out in 45 minutes on a physio table. Yeah, You have to move your way out of it. Yeah. It has to be every single day the things you're doing and the decisions you're making are break, bringing you positively out of that yeah. poor motor pattern. It's like building your bl- block of towers. Yeah. It's like crying in the shower can't be washed away with one psychotherapist session you know it's very important like no one thinks that like no one goes with like depression or schizophrenia or something or a severe mental health issue and goes to the no. like some clinical psychologist and they're not just going to rub their forehead and be like bam you're done like, yeah. nobody expects that so yeah. I don't know why you should expect the same with physical injuries like you should it should be an investment of your time or like if you have an infection you don't just take one, one antibiotic <laughs> Joe you take a round of antibiotics Just rubbing the cut yeah. you're, you're, you're actually finished we actually got a lot of blood flow to that cut now <laughs> and you are sorted so like you should you should treat it like a course of antibiotics or medicine yes, or exactly you you should really like there's a reason he's giving you those sheets you know and uh, you know no, no just not casting any aspersions on physios a lot of times not a lot of times there's as there's times when they're wrong like and there's yeah, stuff to yeah, give yeah. you yeah. and that's that's not something for you to decide a case by case basis I suppose yeah. but Jesus give it your best shot because it's not going to make it worse and if it does make it worse if it feels really sore do you know what you do what you stop doing it <laughs> and then you go back to him and you're like that didn't really feel really, really good and, and his answer should be okay let's not try that we'll try something else yeah. and if he says to you keep trying it'll get better just go to another physio yeah. you know it, 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 they're very logical scenarios yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we know injuries suck and nobody wants to be injured and it just like for a lot of weightlifters or not sorry weightlifters everyone for a lot of athletes right who are accustomed to physical discomfort and pain when we're injured we're not thinking we're horrendous people to be around but it's, but it's never <laughs> It's never the pain that your bothers you. It's never. No. It's never the pain. Rarely is it the pain. No, it's the performance drop. Yeah. So for when civvies get injured, <laughs> we're such a loser. <laughs> but when non-athletic people get injured, yeah, it, it's the pain for them that is the worst part. But for when it's when it's um, gym people or athletes or, you know, it, it's the lack of ability to do what you were doing is a real injury to you and that's why a lot of white people rush stuff too you know yeah um, and look nobody's listening to this podcast who doesn't like training or have an interest in I'm probably the only person listening to this who hates <laughs> training right like that's because you're doing eights and tens at the moment everybody here likes training yeah we all like going doing whatever whether it's to the gym or to the track or yeah. to the field whatever it is yeah we enjoy doing the sport and we want to keep doing it right but sometimes here we go again <laughs> we want to be able to do the sport Spam-shmamish. we just have to do it as somebody who had to retire from a sport when they were 21 because yeah. they can cost too many times <laughs> okay so maybe take it from me yeah. that if you just take your fucking breaks when you're supposed to take your fucking breaks <laughs> yeah, just take then them. you'll be able to remember what colour your car is <laughs> Thanks, you can guys, remember that now are we done no we're not done is there anything else to say anything important I don't think so Um, I think something that's gotten a lot of um, slack in the last few years and I'm just going to pick my mic up after the floor after the floor after it <laughs> like say static stretching is something that a lot of people uh, it's become kind of cool to bash static stretching because there's so many great warm ups and dynamic uh, mobility 
things people do now and yeah. a lot of them are very useful but if you're a weightlifter or a powerlifter or someone like that you just static stretching does have its place in this warm up and I for, for me for years would have neglected static stretching and only when it came back last year after a trip that I really really paid attention to it and I can tell you honestly the amount of injuries are just aches and pains that I feel are movement patterns that are better because I did yeah and I'm not saying I only did static stretching, but included a significant amount of consistent, frequent static stretching helped an awful lot. So, like, and I know we see those studies with you know where they do like hamstring stretch for like sixty seconds, yeah. and then immediately do a maximum vol- voluntary contraction or go straight into a sprint. Yeah, and they're like, "Yep, the performance is reduced." And you're like, "No oh, shit, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no shit, your luck or things like. You know, there's like, well, there's no proof that it actually lengthens the muscle, you know. Okay, so what I'll say on this is, yeah. if the activity you're doing is heavily based on achieving certain positions, mm-hmm. so weightlifting, powerlifting, throwing, gymnastics, a lot of sports. So if it's a specific position that we're not usually getting ourselves into, mm-hmm. it makes perfect sense that we are going to stretch statically before we do anything yeah so we might 15 minutes before we train static stretch then over the course of the next 15 minutes we'll start a more dynamic stretch yeah and like dynamic stretches are rdls with a barbell uh pause squats where we're going deeper than we might usually go yeah uh deficit push-ups like all these things are still dynamic stretches it, but people don't yeah. see them as that because they're like, yeah. no, bro, these are RDLs. Yeah, they're yeah. in my barbell complex. They're, they're an active like movement. They're they're, they're yeah. totally they're functional. Don't they're totally different. Yeah. To this. I've I've noticed the trend in the last two or three years that it's cool to kind of hate on the the old guard of cur- of things that were, you know, like stretching and stuff like that. And like yeah. if it's not scientifically proven, it's totally invalid. But the thing is, stretching has been scientifically proven. Yeah, like all these studies were done. A long, long time ago. But there's a reason we always do it. Yeah. There's a reason it's been done. Um, and then the ultimate thing, the cherry on top I do for that is if you do something in your training that makes you feel better, mm-hmm. that reduces those aches and pains, yeah. that makes you feel like you're training more efficiently, yeah. and that you can see a performance increase in, yeah. just fucking do it. Like... I bought um, silica gel, so not silica gel, silicone cups on Amazon for, for I think they were like five euro or something. Just for doing on a, like the cupping and stuff. Yeah, just in a way, I'm like so they're vacuum, like so you just literally yeah. not even vacuum, you just like close up your hand and they create a vacuum, and it's it's very cool to think they're nonsense. And I've seen a few people. I won't I won't name. <laughs> but the, I know the exact yeah. person. He actually shat on static stretching today. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. There's nothing better, right, yeah. than somebody who's clearly highly intelligent yeah. being an asshole, condescending beyond belief. So <laughs> that's one of our like rules of seek is that we'll try never ever to do that to people. Yeah. Uh, first of all, because we're not highly intelligent, so we, we run off the bad start there. <laughs> we don't talk real good. <laughs> no, we don't think about stuff too much. <laughs> but I would just, you know, it, like they were saying, if, if something makes you feel better and it doesn't make you feel worse, fuck what anyone else and is saying. And obviously now, right. And if, if it, it's like, if it's, some fella who sells you magic beans for a thousand dollars a session. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe not. But if it's five dollar or five euro um silicone cups off Amazon and it does make you feel better. Yeah. Uh, go for it. 
Yeah. So one thing I want to say before we finish is on the subject of going slowly, don't base your going slowly off RPE. No. That's not. That's um, not, That's just not. To be honest, I. this sounds bad, right? But I, I don't think people understand relative perceive or rate of perceived exertion no they don't understand what the it was in no. the literature it's no, a, it, was no, a, no. it was a science a sports science thing originally yeah and now it's been bastardized it's just a way of people telling people how they feel and to be honest i think it's a way of lazy programming yeah i think so too um programming to the masses where you're like oh well if it felt heavy but not too heavy do yeah. a bit more like all right just stop so like there was very um specific ocean <laughs> very specifics on the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, there is yeah. in the in your literature it's directly linked, like with one blood pressure, yeah, and like and heart rate, and like reps and stuff yeah. like that. Like there was like it was very very clear, yeah. And if you're to go by those, what some people post, and unfortunately, and I'm not I'm not thinking any, I'm really not, <laughs> but a lot of powerlifters as a whole really bastardized this and abused it. Yeah, um, is the RPE a lot of times it's just used as a way of people saying. Like, it, like oh, easy something felt without being overtly a dickhead about yeah. it. Someone asked Ed Cohen before. They were like, "How did it feel to squat nine hundred pounds for two reps?" And he was like, "Same way it felt for you to squat four hundred pounds the first time you did, you yeah. know." And like that's a huge issue with those those scales where you're you're judging it on how it feels for you. Mm-hmm. How you feel is not an accurate representation of how well you were recovered before you went in. Yeah, how you actually performed. Uh, how fast anything was, how easy anything was. Mm-hmm. Like, you can do your sets of squats and they'll feel horrendous. Mm-hmm. They'll feel like grindy, they'll feel slow. Mm-hmm. Then you look at the video or someone will come up to you and be like, Jesus, that was easy, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or else you'd be like, oh, I just smashed those deadlifts. And someone was like, oh, I hope you're going to leave it there. You yeah, better yeah. not go any heavier than that. Yeah. Like, the way we look at it is the weight is not, it's always relative to your max. Yes. And it's, Unless your max goes up, that weight is not moving. It's it does. Yeah, or else, unless something in the environment changes. Yeah, of like course. You don't sleep. You don't eat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever, like. Yeah, of of like, uh, then you adapt to the scenario, yeah. but you don't go. I'm going to look for an eight today. No. And then if you say, okay, next week I'm going to look for an eight and a half, but the eight and a half could be twenty kilos lower than the eight today. Yeah. Like it's just it just into too much variability into something that has a massive amount yeah. of variability, and we've gone totally off topic. And <laughs> thank you for listening. It's been great. Um, Okay. Thank you. Thanks, guys.